Well, this is our fourth week of the Blessed series that we've been doing, and it's funny, I just had someone ask me what I like about Charlotte County, um, someone I just met, and, you know, one of the things that I like about Charlotte County is that there is a great sense of community here, but I believe that we only see the surface of the community that God wants for Charlotte County, and we get the privilege of being a part of seeing God's promises come into fruition in our community. So, bless is all about that. It's uh, how to bless our neighbor, how to, how to bless the people that God has placed in our lives every single day. And again, the bless, it's a, it stands for begin with prayer, listen. So we actually listen to people. It's a good thing to get in the habit of. <laughs> um, eat, which we're gonna practice today, thank the Lord. And uh, I'm looking forward to tasting all of your delicious things. Um, some of you, I have not eaten your food before, so it's an experiment. Some of you have any in stuff that I've made before, so that's an experiment. But we're believing that there's going to be really good things. Uh, today is serve, and we're going to talk about how we serve one another. And then next week is going to be story. Um, but before we jump into the word, I just want to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the example that you gave us in your son, Jesus and that we get to model our lives after him, that we've got um, such a great example of how to operate, how to live, how to function in our communities, Jesus, and we get to see it in you. So Lord, we just pray that even as we're going through the word, as we're diving in, Jesus, that you'd be popping little things out at us, that there'd be little moments of aha uh -huh, happening where we grab a hold of something that's fresh and new for us. And Lord, I just pray that even as I speak, that you'd be speaking through me. And that even if it's not something I specifically said, Jesus, that you'd be dropping things into people's hearts. So God, we thank you and we praise your word in your name. Amen. Well, in this fourth blessed practice serve, we are going to witness what I'd call a paradigm shift in the way things, uh, in the way Jews thought about the Messiah but also about how we view our world today. Now a paradigm, because those are kind of words we don't normally use, a paradigm is an overarching assumption undergirding a general word, world view. So it's basically something that causes us to look at our world through a specific lens. You know, think of gravity. When we look at our world, if I were to pick up this water bottle and drop it, it's gonna fall, that's, that's a paradigm. We believe it's gonna happen because it happens over and over again and it forms the way we view our world. A paradigm shift, however, is when an activity or an experimentation begins to contradict premises that experts previously considered unshakable. As a result, a new and different paradigm replaces the dominant paradigm of its day. I've got a, an example of a paradigm shift, and it is germs. <laughs> Before the discovery of germs, most pre-modern scientists believed pandemics, epidemics, and even common ailments came from miasma, which is a bad air or mist. Certain scientists proposed something close to a germ theory to counter this widespread belief in miasma throughout the ages, but wasn't until the 19th century that the paradigm shift actually occurred. Once adopted, it led to much more effective treatments and containment of disease. 
So there used to be this belief that stuff would just kind of float through the air and that caused everyone's sickness. Well, there is a little bit of that, but it's called germs. And that's why we don't lick doorknobs, you know? That's why when we go into the hotel room, we usually think, okay, what do I touch? What do I not touch? Should I touch the remote or should I not touch the remote? It's probably covered in germs still, right? And we all have that germophobia to us now because someone revealed germs to us. But it was a paradigm shift. Now, getting back to the word, just prior to Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus shared the Passover meal with his closest friends. And at that meal, he showed his disciples what he really came to do, which was a massive paradigm shift from what they still were expecting from the Messiah to what Jesus revealed to them in that moment. And it all revolved around the washing of feet. Jesus knew full well his position in power. He knew that all authority had been given to him from God the Father, and yet he still chose to lay down his crown for an apron. He chose to set down, set aside all of the things that he was really due to put on an apron and serve the disciples in a way that they never would have expected. And we see this in John 13, verses 1 to 20. We're going to pick up in verse 3 to 5 to start with here. John 13, 3 to 5. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose up from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now in the ancient world, it was normal to wash your feet before a meal. But usually it was done by the lowest ranking member of the house. So in our day and age, you know, if you have kids, your kids would have to wash your feet. <laughs> Fat chance. Now we need to remember, though, that back then, feet were some of the dirtiest parts of your body. You know, nail clippers didn't exist then, right? Like, think about that for just a moment. Gross. There were no pedicures. There weren't those like fancy things that like shave calluses off your feet. Socks weren't a thing and shoes were seldom worn. Sorry, that was really gross. <laughs> Just nasty, calloused, gnarly looking feet, right? And to make it even worse, in their agrarian culture, which means they essentially lived off the land, you know, raised and grew everything they needed, stepping in stuff was almost a given, right? There's all kinds of livestock everywhere you never know what you're going to step in in any given day. That would be like cleaning out the pens in a barn with bare, bare feet and just getting right in there. You know, just going for it. Or walking through a public restroom barefoot. Gross. Right? But to top this off, the culture of that day was also an honor and shame culture. In other words, protecting your reputation and your dignity was of the utmost importance. It was critical to if you wanted to succeed in that day and age. And we have a culture similar to that today where you want you know, your, your reputation, your dignity to be very high. But basically the higher your score on the honor ladder, the more privileges and prestige you would enjoy. Washing someone's feet would be a really quick way to cut the legs off your ladder and come crush, crashing to the floor, right? If, if you come in with a high level of dignity and you're like, 
the top dog, right? And all of a sudden, you put on an apron, you start washing people's feet. Well, now you've just cut your dignity right down to the bottom. But it goes on in John 13, 6 to 8. And he came to Saint Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. <laughs> I imagine he was quite indignant in that moment where it was like, uh-uh, not a chance, not happening. So imagine the most esteemed person you can think of coming to wash your feet. Every single one of us has someone different coming to mind. You know, someone you hold in a super high regard, or maybe it's someone super famous. You know, when I started thinking about this and I'd also just heard that The Mandalorian was coming out, I was like, what if Harrison Ford showed up to wash your feet, right? Han Solo showed up to wash your feet. I think we would respond very similar with, uh, mm, no, hard pass, not happening. You're not touching my feet. No, but Peter knew enough about Jesus to know that he wasn't the one in the room to be washing his feet. Right? He saw Jesus as his rabbi, his teacher. He'd also seen Jesus performing all kinds of miracles and working with people. And he, he held him in high, high regard. So, of course, Peter would respond the way he did, saying, You are not washing my feet because that is not your job to do. But in John 13, 8 and 9, Jesus answered him, he said, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, that was, enough, that was enough of a light bulb moment for Simon. Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. Wash me from head to toe, Jesus, because I want to be all in. You see, what Jesus was doing was not just a kind gesture. This wasn't a, well, I guess it's my turn moment, so I'm gonna get down there and wash people's feet. What Jesus was doing was meant to catalyze a movement. He was meaning to start something fresh and brand new. It was a massive, massive paradigm shift from who they thought the Messiah was supposed to be, you know, that come in and conquer the Romans, kick them out of their land, reestablish God's kingdom on earth, all of those things and replacing it with his new reality of, I came to serve, I came about the people. Jesus was introducing what I would call his upside down kingdom, where the highest is actually the lowest and the lowest is the highest, right? He was flipping the honor and shame ladder on its head. In John 13, 12 to 17, he says, when he, it says, when he had washed their feet and put on his armor, outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so am I. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also, that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus was saying to them, his disciples, and to us today, 
that it's time to set down our crowns and pick up an apron. It's time to take the crown of honor and dignity that we hold on to so tightly and set down and get ready to serve the people. We are here to serve one another, not view ourselves as higher than anyone else in the room. That can be a challenge sometimes, but that's what that's the life that Jesus has called every single one of us to, myself included. Now, when the sons of Zebedee, who are called the sons of thunder, which is awesome, um, asked Jesus for places of prominence, you know, sons of thunder, they're going for the gold, right? Um, they asked Jesus for places of promise, prominence, sitting on the right and left of Jesus. Jesus responded to them with essentially the same thing. And this was in Matthew 20, verses 25 to 28. But Jesus called to them and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. They own the people they serve or that serve them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. It's almost like he was giving a preview to the washing of the feet. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave even as the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom of many. Now, when me and Caitlin first got married, I didn't tell her I was going to tell a story either. She's been using me lately, so I'm using her today. Actually, no, this is more about me. When we first got married, you know, um, husbands and wives, they got a lot of stuff to figure out. No, we'd known each other for quite a while. We dated for a while. We were engaged for a while. But when you start living together, that's when like the real rubber hits the road, right? And you face all kinds of battles and it just takes a lot of, um, you guys know what I'm talking about. But when we first got married, I loved video games. I still like video games, but I loved video games. And I would, yeah, you, you guys know where this is going right now already. I would spend so much time playing video games, I'd actually ignore my wife, who I just married. This is like, this is bad, bad thing to do. So if you're getting Pat and Kaylee, you're hearing me right now. Don't do it, Pat. Turn the console off. I wasn't living the full life that Jesus was calling me to. I'm still working towards the life that Jesus is calling me to but I'm finding more and more joy in serving my family and serving community and serving in whatever capacity that Jesus gives me grace to do. You know, and it's been quite the journey over the years, Caitlin, I think would acknowledge at this point that I've been doing a lot better and haven't been on the video games so much, which is awesome. Um, but the reality is, is that we're all called to serve. And some of the best people to serve right on the forefront is the ones in your own home. That's my favorite. I just want to look at one more example of where Jesus served those around him. And I'm going to pull a few things out of it um, that are going to help us to really practically look at the people around us and how to serve them well. Um, and this is uh, the example where Jesus healed a deaf man. And it's found in Mark 7, verses 31 to 37. It says, then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. 
And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impairment, and they begged him to lay his hands on them. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers in his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue, and looked up to heaven, and said to him, Ephada, and that is to be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but they proclaimed it anyways, right? If you just got healed from that kind of thing, I'm good luck keeping quiet. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. What a great example of Jesus serving someone in their moment of need. This is a remarkable story of Jesus healing a man who is both deaf and mute. But I want to draw three things out of it, that, uh, three things of how Jesus served in that story. The first one is proximity. Jesus served those that were in close proximity to him. We see this displayed over and over again in Jesus' ministry. It says, and they brought a man to him. The man was right there. I believe God will either send you to the people you are to serve, you know, plant you in a specific location or situation, or God will send the people to you and insert them to your life. Almost without exception, the people you are meant to serve will be in close proximity to you. They're going to be people that you can just look at and say hi, and maybe reach out and shake their hand once in a while or do a fist pump or an air high five if germs are the issue, right? Um, but this is, this is why the focus has been on you know, our neighbors, how to bless our neighbors. You know, it might be our coworkers, our classmates, the ones that are actual neighbors around where we live, right? But they're the people that are in close proximity to us, the people near us. Now, sometimes Jesus will bring an opportunity to make a big move and relocate because he has a group of people for you to serve that isn't currently in close proximity to you. And me and Caitlin have experienced that. <laughs> but uh, it could be anything from a mission trip to relocating for work, any of those kinds of things. But the point is, is that Jesus will still put you in close proximity to those people. But while we are here in this community together, the people that are close to us, the people in close proximity to us in our day-to-day -day lives, the ones that are near to us, they're the best people for us to serve. So number one is proximity. Number two is personally. Jesus took the deaf and mute man off to the side to serve him out of sight of the spotlight. No, it wasn't a big flashy thing. He wasn't in front of you know 5,000 people going, look what I can do, everybody. He recognized the guy and it says, and taking him aside from the crowd privately. You know, when I read this, I think about, you know, if, if, if I was a deaf man and I couldn't speak properly, I had speech impairment, the last thing I want to do is to be pulled in front of a whole bunch of people because I would have likely faced a lot of um, discrimination in my life. Probably would have been made fun of a lot, been put down. I'd be that guy at the bottom of that honor ladder. Jesus saw beyond his immediate need and likely recognized that this guy's got nothing left in him and I'm gonna take him off aside from all these people and care for him the best way that I can. He served him personally. When we serve others, it's us and them. You know, when I was renovating our house last summer, the big push was to get the house done. That was the main focus. 
gotta get that house done so we can move in, get moving ready. And we had people jump in and help us in all sorts of ways. But one of the ways that I was not expecting was that we had this massive pile of firewood to be split and stacked. And you know, while the obvious thing to finish was the house, that was the surface thing. There was a few people in our church that recognized that there was another need that they could help with, and that was splitting and stacking firewood. And uh, you know, there was no spotlight, no red carpet. They just came and served. And it was such a gift. So when we serve, it's personal. It's, it's us and them. It's one-on-one. It's, it's looking at the person and seeing them for who they are. You know, just thinking about the other blessed practices. When we begin with prayer, and we actually stop and listen to the person that's in our life, and maybe share a meal with them. I said it last week, I'll say it again. We're going to start to learn how to best serve our neighbor. And the third example here, or third thing here, is that Jesus served powerfully. When we think of serving others in our lives, you know, we think of things like shoveling someone's driveway, chopping firewood, or other acts of kindness, you know, that we can perform, such as like making a meal or cleaning. And those are all awesome things to do. Those are great ways to serve our community. But when Jesus served others, he accessed God's power. When we're serving others, it's important to remember that we have the same access to the power of God to make a difference in people's lives that Jesus did. He has given us that authority on this earth to bring that to people's lives, to bring God, to bring the Holy Spirit with us into those situations that we're serving in. You know, as we serve people that are around us in close proximity, we serve them personally because we can see past the obvious, but we can also invite the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to have a far greater impact into their lives. In John 14, 12, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works will, than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. That was Jesus. Church, once again, our mission statement is this. We exist to model the life and teachings of Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit. Not without it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit active in our lives if we're going to actually live out the life and teachings of Jesus in our communities and to do it fully and well. Let's never forget the enabling power of the Holy Spirit as we go about blessing our neighbors. You know, to live a life like Jesus, we need to lay down our crowns and put on our aprons. What do our crowns look like? Well, maybe it's pride. You know, I'm better than that task. Um, maybe it's time. I'm far too busy to slow down and help somebody. It could be convenience. You know, it's just, it's out of my way, so I'm not, I'm not going to detour to go do that thing. Or it could be a status issue where you just don't like mixing with that certain crowd of people. Jesus pushed past all of those things. And he served people exactly where they were at, no matter who they were. You know, as we begin with prayer, listen to those around us and eat together, pay good attention. Because you will quickly learn how to best serve one another. And as we serve our world, as we serve, our world will change and opportunities will start to pop up to do the final blessed strategy, which we're going to look at next week, which is story which I'm looking forward to. And it's telling people our story, you know, why we do what we do, why, when, or how 
Jesus for us. Why don't we stand and I'd like to join in prayer. Um, the worship team could come up. We ask that we join together in prayer and just ask God to continue to show us the people in our lives that we are called to bless and that he would give us the ability to see how to best serve our neighbors. So this morning, I'd like us to actually put our hands out like we're going to receive something. And, you know, this is a physical action, but God has made us both physical and spiritual beings. So even in the simplicity of a physical act, it's us showing God that I want to receive something today. So Lord Jesus, I just pray that as we stand here with open hands, that you would put the tools into our hands that we need to serve our community well that you would give us a heart for our community, that you would start dropping in the names of the people that we come in contact in a weekly basis, and that you would give us a burden for those people, that you would cause us to pray on their behalf, that we would seek you in everything we do, Jesus, but to bring them to you with joy. And Lord, we also pray that you would just give us the opportunity to hear them, hear their story, hear what's going on in their lives, Jesus, and that we would get an opportunity to serve them in the best way possible, Jesus. And that through serving them, through just laying down our crowns, Jesus, and picking up an apron, that we would model you so well that it would be undeniable to them that something's different, and that they'd wanna hear more, Jesus. So God, I pray a blessing over everyone that's here today. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us the ability and the joy to serve unceasingly, Jesus. We just thank you for this church family um, that you've even dropped us in to serve and that we get to do this alongside all of these amazing people. We thank you and we bless you, Jesus, in your name, amen. We're gonna join together in a song and it's called Waymaker. And as we sing this song, Let's lift up a holy noise to Jesus and declare that he is waymaker and that he is 